0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Bush Stadium in St. Louis. It's the Cleveland Indians 14, the St. Louis Cardinals 2. The Indians get a win to start the series behind their young ace, Tristan McKenzie. Maybe not an ace yet, but their young rookie phenom. Can I call him that? Tristan McKenzie. And they move into a first place tie. Right now in the American League Central, 20 and 12, the White Sox, the Indians, and the Twins are all 20 and 12. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it was a long one last night, but it was fun from beginning to end. The Indians did just did not stop scoring runs. Normally we do, you know, we run through the whole game. I think we would be here for an hour and a half if I broke down every run scored by the Indians last night. They get four in the first, two in the second. They take a little break, come back in the fifth, get two more in the fifth, four in the sixth, and two in the seventh to put up 14 on St. Louis. We'll get into the game summary a little bit because there are some important things that happened and let's just talk about this rally in the first inning because I don't think we've started a game this well and this much fun at all this season. Surprisingly, Cesar Hernandez pops out. Jose Ramirez walks. Francisco Lindor singles. Nice swing. Gets a ground ball uh, past the second baseman, past Colton Wong, and out into right field. I think Jose Ramirez was moving on the pitch, so he goes to third. Then with Francisco Lindor trying to steal second, the throw by Yadier Molina is actually wide. And uh, Jose Ramirez is able to come in from third base and score. The ball goes out into center field. Lindor goes all the way to third. So uh, that's big. The Indians being aggressive with Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez has definitely been aggressive. He's one back of the MLB lead in stolen bases. Jonathan Villar from Miami must have gotten one yesterday because I think on the broadcast they said he was tied for the lead with eight. So to see Lindor, even though he's the three-hole hitter, being aggressive and trying to take second base, that's Lindor's game. He's aggressive on the base paths. Carlos Santana walks and then Vermil Reyes comes up and gets a high outside fastball and he hits it into I guess what we're calling his sweet spot even though we've proved on the show he can hit a home run anywhere I think we can all agree that right center field is definitely an approach he takes he puts a big home run out to right center field and suddenly the Indians are up four to nothing to start the game that's got to feel good for Tristan McKenzie you know sometimes it can make a pitcher relax a little bit right if he's not in that battle going against the other starting pitcher but I don't think that's going to happen with Tristan McKenzie that Kid seems really, really well-focused, really well-adjusted to handle what's happening here in this weird season, in his first major league experience. He seems really composed, and uh, I I have a lot of confidence in him that uh, he is going to continue to be a great starting pitcher for the Indians. Now, after a couple more walks to Luplo and Berto Perez, they actually pulled Daniel Ponce de Leon out of the game. His final line on the game as the Cardinals starting pitcher is two-thirds of an inning, two hits, four earned runs, four walks, and zero strikeouts. His ERA is up to 7.82. That is a pretty bad start. However, it's not the worst start in baseball history. Uh, there's an article surprisingly in Golf Digest I was able to find that Dylan Bundy just delivered the worst pitching performance in MLB history. That's the headline. Now, this is from uh, 2018. I believe May 8th, 2018, facing Kansas City. He gave up, on 28 pitches, he gave up a single, two walks, four home runs, and seven runs total without recording an out to start the game and was yanked. Uh, So that... Uh, And that's not even based on game score, which we'll talk about in a second. Based on game score, which Bundy's was minus 19, it's actually tied for 13th worst all time. Second worst since after 1940. So even that performance by Dylan Bundy wasn't the worst of all time. Now game score is something that was developed by Bill James And you might hear his name associated with a lot of statistics that were created. But it measures a pitcher's performance in a baseball game. Now, I will tell you that Ponce de Leon last night wasn't as terrible as Dylan Bundy. Wasn't one of the worst of all time. His game score was 28, probably because he was able to record two outs over the four runs he gave up. I mean, one home run it, it wasn't terrible, but you could see he just had no clue where the ball was going. He threw, I believe, 41 pitches. Yeah, 41 pitches and only 17 were strikes. So this is the case of where a guy just has no clue where a ball's going, can't find the strike zone at all, and his manager goes on and gets him after. I mean, 41 pitches should get you at least three innings. So two to three innings. So... Pretty bad to start a series for the St. Louis Cardinals. They have to tax their bullpen, and uh, the Indians are definitely able to take advantage of it. They scored runs off the first four pitchers that came into the game for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, on the other side of things, Tristan McKenzie, he only went four innings. He did throw a lot of pitches. Uh, We'll talk about his pitching performance in a second, but just so you know, his game score was 48. It's, it's a scale of 0 to 100, and his game score was 48. So, definitely much better pitching from the Cleveland side. And, uh, my God, the offense. Finally, we get a game like this. We've been waiting a while. Now, Tristan McKenzie actually got a little bit of defense to help him out in this one. He gave up more fly balls, it felt like, in this game. And to lead off the first inning, right, you want to come out there and get that first hitter and really start things off well when your team puts up four runs. Colton Wong lines one to center field, and Delano to Shields makes a nice diving catch. Diving forward, that's a tough catch to make. Sometimes you just got to keep tracking the ball until it gets low enough that you can make a dive for it or a slide for it. So, great job by Delino De Shields out there in center field for being aggressive and going and getting that Colton Wong line drive and helping Tristan McKenzie scratch that first out onto his box score. They threatened the uh, the Cardinals do threaten in the first, but McKenzie is able to shut him down. He gets a couple more fly balls. Brad Miller batting cleanup for the St. Louis Cardinals. Do you remember Brad Miller? We had him to start last year, to start the 2019 season. He only got 40 plate appearances for us, appearing in 13 games, hit 250, hit a home run. He was doing okay. I feel like he got released because someone else had to come up or something like that. There was some situation where we just had to we had to designate him for assignment and we end up cutting him. He goes on to play with Philly. Actually has a decent season for Philly. Hits 263. Had 12 home runs for Philly. Had a 941 OPS, which if you remember our OPS, that's really good. That's on-base percentage and slugging percentage added together. If you're over 800, you're doing pretty good. If you're doing 900s, you're doing really good. Now, it was only in 118 at-bats, so he was definitely still a utility player for them. But the guy was in his age 29 season last year, so not... Uh, you know, an up-and-coming rookie. He had been playing since 2013. But uh, still young enough, I guess, to have a little bit of a career here. And now he's hitting cleanup for the St. Louis Cardinals. A lineup that includes Paul Goldschmidt. A lineup that includes Matt Carpenter and Yadi Molina. He's hitting cleanup for this team. So, uh, yeah. I mean... He had two hits last night. He's hitting 340 with a 1.062 OPS. He's got four doubles, two uh, triple, and two home runs on the season. So Brad Miller figuring it out late, and you know he's got a chip on his shoulder. If you heard his comments last year, he's got a chip on his shoulder against the Cleveland Indians. So anyways, all right, this is what I want to talk about, the top of the second here. If you are a baseball coach – If you are a parent, a mom or a dad, doesn't matter, whose kid is interested in baseball, you need to pull out this highlight from the top of the second inning. Number one, you need to show them what not to do on the base paths. Number two, you need to show them what to do as a defender when you start a rundown because this was amazing by Yadier Molina. So, We start the inning with a Cesar Hernandez single. Jose Ramirez follows that up with a single. Cesar Hernandez goes to third. Runners at the corner. Francisco Lindor hits into what they're calling a fielder's choice because Francisco Lindor is the only one who made it safely back to a base. So Paul Goldschmidt gets the ball, comes home to Yadier Molina with it. Cesar Hernandez, had been breaking for home, decides to go back to third. He's caught in a rundown. Yadier Molina never gives up the ball. He just slowly starts running Cesar Hernandez back to third. Now, when you're the lead guy in a rundown, sometimes what you want to do is you want to stay in that rundown until the other runners on base can advance. So that's what Cesar Hernandez is doing here. He's stalling as long as he can to let Jose Ramirez advance all the way to third. But instead of going all the way to the bag, Jose Ramirez freezes. He freezes like five steps from third base. Cesar Hernandez is stalling so that he can get to the bag. He gets tagged out. Now Yadi Molina is running Jose Ramirez back. As Jose Ramirez trots back to second base, he realizes that Francisco Lindor had come up behind him to second base. Lindor stops. He turns around, heads back to first. For some reason, Jose Ramirez never goes back to the bag. He just kind of hesitates, this time like three steps from the bag. Yadier Molina finally gives the ball up, flips it to I-don't-know-who's-standing-at-second base, And they tag Jose Ramirez out trying to get back to the back. Francisco Lindor does make it back to first, so it's not a triple play, thank God. Because next batter is Carlos Santana, who hits a home run out to right field, scores two runs. I mean, think about how big this inning could have been if the Indians didn't run themselves into trouble like this. So you have to see this highlight because what Yadier Molina did to our base runners to freeze our base runners is really impressive. And if you're a base runner, if you're ever on base, don't do what these guys did. Don't hesitate. Just get to a bag. If Jose Ramirez makes it to third base and they tag out Cesar Hernandez, fine. Cesar Hernandez would have done his job, let the runners move up, and sacrificed himself as an out. So there you go. That's a little bit of what not to do when you're caught on base. In the bottom of the second, they do get to Tristan McKenzie. He gives up a home run to Dexter Fowler after walking Tyler O'Neill. Two runs for St. Louis. It makes it 6 2, but that is all they would do. And how does he respond? How does he respond to that home run? I feel like he did this in his first start. Strikes out Dylan Carlson. So, you know, that is huge to see. The, he gives up fly balls. We talked about this. He's a fly ball pitcher. I'm sure he's going to give up more home runs in the majors than he gave up in AAA. Then he gave up in double. He never pitched in AAA. What am I saying? Then he gave up in double A. That's only natural especially when you're a little bit of a fly ball pitcher. But he follows it up with a strikeout. That's big. It doesn't affect him. doesn't affect his composure on the mound. All right. The Indians, like I said, would go on to add eight more runs to their total in the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning. They do that off a Tyler Naquin home run. He hit a two-run home run off of uh, Fernandez. And then a bunch of base hits. Doubles by Fermil Reyes, double by Lindor, double by Delano De Shields, double by Jose Ramirez. And the Indians were 7 for 16 with runners in scoring position. Let me tell you something. They only got six hits with runners in scoring position for the entire Minnesota Twins series. And tonight they were 7 for 16. Now, some it's going to happen, right? Some nights you're just going to get ridiculously hot. But the fact that they were able to do that, that they were able to get so many clutch hits, that's huge. And two-out RBIs. Santana's was a two-out RBI. -er. Roberto Perez and Delano Shields all had two-out RBIs. So clutch hitting from the Indians last night. And sometimes when it rains, it pours. If you were in Cleveland yesterday, it definitely poured. And uh, if you were an Indians hitter in St. Louis last night, it definitely poured for you as well. Alright, so the box score, the final box score for the Indians. Uh, Cesar Hernandez only had one hit. Jose Ramirez, two hits, three run score. Lindor, two hits, three run score. Jose Ramirez also walked twice. If you're a big fan of Carlos Santana, he was slam Tana and walked Tana last night. Two for three with that home run, four runs scored, two RBIs, three walks on the day. Famil Reyes. Apparently, he loves hitting on the road because he went three for four with three runs scored and five RBIs. He is your RBI leader on the day. He's got his average up to 307 and 886, team leading OPS. And you know what? I'm calling it right now. MVP for the day goes to Famil Reyes. When you put five RBIs up on the board, you are doing your job as the five hole hitter. And he gets MVP for a day. And even Sandy Leone, who pinched hit for him, he had a hit too. Naquin gets that homer, two RBIs. Luplo struggled. Luplo was the only Indians hitter. Even the pinch hitters Freeman, Chang, Leone all had hits. Luplo did not have a hit. That's got to I mean, he had a sack fly, he had an RBI, and he walked. So he was on base. You know, he got on base, so at least he's got that to hang his hat on, but yeah, Luplo is struggling. His average is down to 125 with a 505 OPS, and then Roberto Perez with three hits. Delano de Shields with three hits. You know, I think it was Let's Go Tribe had an article yesterday. You can find it on Bleacher Report or wherever you get your articles from, or Let's Go Tribe about the Indians' outfield options and how basically Delano Shields and Greg Allen were a carbon copy of each other, right? They're both known for their defense. They're both known for their speed. Um, they're both light hitting. I mean, let's face it. They're light hitting. But Delano Shields has his average up to 279, which for your nine-hole hitter and your defensive center fielder, that ain't bad. The Chicago White Sox just traded for uh, the center fielder from... Pittsburgh, who played for the Royals for a long time. Gerard Dyson. Sorry, I had to look it up. I'll admit it to you. I had to look it up. They just traded for Gerard Dyson. That guy's, yeah, same thing. Speedy outfielder, known for his defense, stealing bases. That guy's hitting like one something. So I'm going to take the line out of shields as our starting center fielder and our nine-hole hitter. He is doing a really good job out there. He had that diving catch. Um, there was one ball, uh, I think, last game that he overran in center field and tried to jump up to the wall when he didn't need to. Um, but that's really the only defensive play I've seen from him where he doesn't seem completely locked in, completely knows where that ball's going, tracking the ball in the outfield, taking good routes to the ball in the outfield. So I'm perfectly happy with Delano Shields being the starting center fielder and being you know, great with his defense and doing what needs to be done with his bat in the nine hole. We'll see what happens with the other corner outfielder spots. There's a lot of rumors out there right now. You can read about a hundred articles about Mike Clevenger trade rumors right now. So we will see if they add a little bit of thump to left or right field. Naquin is doing great out there right now. He's hitting 298 with an 837 OPS, the second best OPS on the team. So We'll see what they do, but yeah, Delano to shields. good game for him. As far as pitching goes, McKenzie goes four innings, only went four innings, through 84 pitches, 54 strikes, three hits, two earned runs, three walks this time, and three strikeouts, so not as dominating as his first one. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the decision because he only goes four innings. Cam Hill actually gets the win. He comes in and pitches a clean inning uh, in the fifth. And then Plutko actually gets a save. Because uh, sometimes by the length of your performance, you can actually get a save as a reliever. He goes four innings, two hits, no earned runs. He did do three, give up three walks and two strikeouts. So a nice bounce-back performance from Plutko, who I really thought was going to come out in the eighth. He was struggling a little bit. I was surprised he went back out for the ninth. But hey, he gets them through the game and saves the rest of the arms in the Indians' bullpen. Because they're going to need him because it's going to be a battle the next two games. Ponce de Leon is someone that I'm sure the Cardinals have high hopes for, but he is struggling. Tomorrow, and these are all day games, by the way, so pay attention to the schedule. It's a one Eastern start, so it must be 12 o'clock start out there in St. Louis. It's, the national, it's a national broadcast game. It's going to be on Fox, uh, so it should be on Fox 8 here in Cleveland. And they're going against Flaherty. And Flaherty is definitely the ace of the St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff. Learn the name because he might be one of the aces in the National League right now, Jack Flaherty. And right now he's two and zero with a one nine eight ERA in three starts, and his WHIP is down at zero point seven three. So we got some work cut out for us. Let's see if we could stay stay red hot. You know. Um, and then, then after we get through Flaherty, we gotta face Wainwright, who's the crafty veteran for the Cardinals. He's also two zero. He's gonna face Savali. Flaherty is going up against Carrasco. I kind of wish those were flipped. It would be fun to see Flaherty go against Savali and Carrasco against Wainwright. But hey, that's how it lined up. So it's gonna be some tough pitching matchups. Now, speaking of pitching, the one thing I want to make sure I hit is Tristan McKenzie, because. His second start, did anything change? What did he do different? And we'll see if these are trends going forward or if it's just him mixing up pitches based on his starts. You know, keeping hitters off balance. Something he puts together with Roberto Perez. You know, a game plan they put together. So in his first start against Detroit, he threw 57.5% of his pitches as fastballs. His average fastball velocity was 946 Yesterday he actually threw more fastballs. He was at 66.7% fastballs. His velo, his velocity was down. It was at 93.4. So, uh, maybe he was working on his control a little bit, concentrating on his control and so his velocity was down a little bit. Or, you know, he just he didn't have as many strikeouts. Maybe he wasn't getting in as many strikeout counts and throwing that hard fastball. His sliders, his breaking pitches were all down. It was uh 8.8% sliders down to 5.9% sliders. curveballs in his first start, down to 8.3% curveballs. So clearly a decision was made to throw more fastballs and less breaking balls. And then the changeup was up. He only threw 11.3 changeups in his first start, 19.1% changeups in his second start. So there you go. Maybe it was an issue of they were just trying to get him in the strike zone. Maybe it was just, hey, we're going to mix things up. We're going to give him a different look than we gave him in the first game. This is something we're going to be able to see going forward for the rest of his starts and see if we see some trends developing or if it's just them mixing things up. Now, he was struggling to find the strike zone a little bit, and he wasn't getting as many swings and misses. Um, In the first start against Detroit, they swung at 39.5% of the pitches that he threw outside the strike zone. Last night, it was only at 27.6%. That's the O-swing percentage so he was not getting guys to chase outside the zone as much. Uh, and they weren't swinging at his pitches at all that much. I mean, 50% swing rate on his first start. Last night, it was 41.7%. Like I said, he gave up three walks. So clearly St. Louis's approach was we're going to be a little more patient with this rookie, see if he gives, gets himself into a little bit of trouble, and then see if we could take advantage of it. They weren't able to take advantage of it, but it was an interesting approach that seemed to, you know, he only lasted four innings, so uh, it seemed to have some effect. His first pitch strike percentage was down. He was 75% first pitch strike in his first start. It was down to 55.6% in this start. So again, being patient from the St. Louis hitters may have had an effect. Uh, His zone percentage, the percentage of pitches seen inside the strike zone. Now, this isn't the amount of strikes he threw because if you look at that stat, you know, 84 pitches, 50 were strikes. That includes balls that are swung at. This is just the percentage of pitches that were inside the strike zone. It was 46.3% against Detroit, down to 30.9% last night. So, yeah. Uh, there was a difference. There was definitely a difference between the two starts. Again, things we will keep an eye on moving forward because we want nothing for it but the best for Tristan McKenzie. And if you heard his post game comments, you especially want nothing but the best for Tristan McKenzie. How important what it was for him to pitch on Jackie Robinson Day. What that meant to him. You know that Jackie Robinson broke that barrier that allowed him that allowed him to be there, and then what he wants to do for the generation that comes after him. I mean, remember he is only twenty three years old, and he already has an understanding of what he can do to inspire the next generation of African American kids, African American baseball players, to uh, to try this sport, to have you know to know that they can have success on this sport. To see him out there standing on the mound, that's huge. Go listen to his comments. It's on Indians.com or the MLB app, and I'm sure people have tweeted it out. Go listen to him. Go listen to what he has to say because he's a smart kid. He's a really smart kid, and he knows how important this is. So that's everything from last night. It was fun. If you want to just have some fun today, just go watch the uh, the game recap, on the condensed game on uh, the MLB app. And uh, relive all this Indians offense. It's going to be probably a different story today. Remember, it's a 1 o'clock start today against Flaherty. You should be excited to see this one, Indians fans, because we're not going to see Jack Flaherty pitch that often. I mean, how often are we going to face St. Louis with you know interleague play? So this will be a special season, and we're gonna get to see some NL Central starting pitching that we won't get to see that often. And this is one of those occasions. So strap in. Carrasco has really been struggling lately, so we will see if he can regain his control. And we need him to. Otherwise, you know what? If Carrasco struggles in this one, it it might be, uh, it might be the bullpen for him because Plesek. You know they want to get Plesek back up here and throwing. It might. the bullpen. Okay, really quick. I know the offense was prolific last night. Now, unfortunately, they did not set any franchise records. Um, They scored. They had 20 hits last night, scored 14 runs, 13 RBIs, 7 walks. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't come close to any single game records. The most hits in a game for the Indians were 33 against Philadelphia in 1932. 33 hits in a game. Most at-bats was 51. Most runs scored in a game was against Boston. 27 runs scored in a game. The most total bases was actually against St. Louis. Unfortunately, it was a 1948 team. They got, put, got on base 45 times. Most walks was 18. Uh, most stolen bases in a game was 8. And most home runs in a game was 8 against Milwaukee in 1987. So... Unfortunately, no uh, club records were set yesterday. This one, if you get on the club record page on Indians.com, this one will be unbelievable to anyone that doesn't know the history of baseball and the history of starting pitchers versus relief pitchers. The individual record for most innings pitched in a single game is 26 innings by Stan Kovaleski against Washington in 1918. Guys used to just pitch, right? This, this bull, The bullpens the way they are was not a thing. So if you're new to this game, if you're a young listener out there and you don't know what pitching was like in 1918, Stan Kovaleski stayed in there for 26 innings. That is fun a fun gem that I discovered this morning. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from St. Louis. It's the Indians 14, the St. Louis Cardinals 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Have you got thoughts on trade rumors? Have you got thoughts on the starting rotation and who Zach Plisak should replace? Go ahead, tweet him at Davey Barris. Email Mornings at gmail.com. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.